0: Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. I have another awesome segment for you today. Again, I am your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing Katie McDougall. Katie is from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and she has nonspecific interstitial pneumonia, NSIP. She was diagnosed with NSIP in April, of 2021 today she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with nsip and how she manages her symptoms also she will give us some tips if she has any on what may help you all out there to make life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases let's get started welcome katie thank you for being part of the silent battle podcast today Thanks, Erica. Katie, can you again tell our listeners the name of your autoimmune disease and share your story with us regarding when this rare autoimmune disease showed up in your life?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So the name of my autoimmune disease is non-specific interstitial pneumonia, which is also known as NSIP. Um, It's a type of interstitial lung disease um or also known as pulmonary fibrosis which i find that people um can understand a little bit better than the word interstitial um is really uh long and confusing and hard to spell but um it it sounds a lot like alphabet soup um Mm -hmm. all the things that i'm saying but um it's um a disease that impacts my lungs and my story um I think is pretty similar um, to yours, Erica, and it's um, it started in my lungs. So it's yeah. um, it. I know sometimes people with NSIP they experience um, symptoms that are more similar to uh, autoimmunes that people have heard of. Um, so they might experience um, like joint pain or something else, and then that eventually impacts their lungs, but for me, um, I didn't have any symptoms other than uh, difficulty breathing, yes. and um, that's that's how that started for me, so it was just kind of out of the blue um, in, and it, for me, it started in 2020, mm-hmm. um, and so everybody was monitoring their breathing um, more in 2020, and so I thought it was COVID, mm-hmm. and um, I kept going to get COVID tests. And um, to this day, I have still never tested positive for COVID. So I um, just was having shortness of breath and um, eventually went to the doctor and ran a ton of tests and um, then was diagnosed with this disease. So that's how that came up for me.
0: Wow, that sounds all so familiar, like you said. Just, you know, like, as Katie said, you know, I, as all of you know, I have NSIP, and like she said, I I was the same way. Like, no symptoms at all, and then just the shortness of breath. And it's just yeah. crazy how this, how this rare disease is brewing and you don't even know it, you know?
1: Yeah, so crazy, so totally crazy,
0: yeah. So now that you know you have NSIP, how do you manage your symptoms?
1: Yeah. So thankfully, um, I have um, been really blessed to have great um, doctors. Um, I um, the first doctor that I was paired with happens to be um, a specialist in interstitial lung diseases, uh-huh. um, which I just um, faith is really important to me, and so I feel like that was just a God thing, and um, he was the first pulmonologist I could even get into, and he happened to specialize in this disease I ended up having. And so um, for me, it's, um, I feel like my medical team has really been incredibly helpful on managing the symptoms. Um, I know that's not everyone's story, but for me that's been true. Um, So some of the symptoms have been managed um, through medication for sure. before, I'm, I'm 32 and so before and was very healthy before this and so um, so before this you know maybe I took a multivitamin if I felt like it but right. I didn't have any medication other than that um, maybe' the occasional like tylenol um, but yeah. taking <laughs> but now I take a ton of medications and I feel like my life revolves around medication but but as much as um, I feel like they're a thorn in my side sometimes. Yes. They they have helped um, my breathing um, significantly. Um, my lung capacity when I first was diagnosed was um, at 35%. Um, I was able to get it up to 78% at one point. Um, I'm back down in the 50s now, but I, but still 50s is way better than 30. Yes, so, that's awesome. Um, so, I, so, medication has really helped, um, you know, I feel like doctors are always saying things like diet and exercise, and um, when you have a lung disease, that kind of is comical because, I mean, it's it's not quite that simple. It right. sounds simple when you're healthy, <laughs> um, but it's not quite that simple. It's hard um, to
0: do when you can't breathe.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, and, and even the medications, I mean... The medications are great, but, you know, I mean, half the symptoms I'm experiencing are also side effects of medications at this point. Right. And so, you know, it kind of, it depends on the day, it depends on the week, um, it depends on the weather, you know. Absolutely. Um, it, right. And so, um, so diet and exercise does really help, but, um, it is also, you know, I so want there to be a book, um. That actually outlines what would help, um, but you know every autoimmune book that's like eat this, exercise this much, you know, all that stuff. It's just not one size fits all, and so right. um, I I wish there was a book like that that actually was like the magic book that outlines that. But um, for me, it's been um, just taking it day by day and. The days where I give myself more grace and I just cut myself some slack um, are the days that tend to go better. So that's probably one of my more helpful um, um, symptom management techniques, I guess. Well,
0: I mean, you know, um, like you said, there's not a one size fits all type, you know, regimen for everyone you know what I mean uh, because everybody's different so I say you know just do what you what you what your body what you feel like you can do um, and that's you know that's what I say about it you know because like you said you know everybody's just not the same and you know you can't you wish there was something that would work for everybody but everybody's different you know um, yeah And I was going to ask you too, what exactly, what medications are you, um, are you using right now?
1: Yeah. Um, I, so, um, I'm on a ton of steroids, which I imagine anyone listening who, you know, is on, who, um, has an autoimmune can relate to the struggle of the steroids. Oh Um, so, um, so I'm on, um, wait, I feel like doses of my um steroids are constantly changing and that's the part i think that's so hard is going up and down on those steroids all the time is uh a doozy of a yes. thing. um so uh at one point i got down to five milligrams of steroids and that was like glorious but i'm back up to 40 milligrams right now and it it's okay yeah <laughs> it's just it is. you know you're just like hey um Maybe I'll see my cheekbones again, but it's not right now. You have <laughs> to do what you have
0: to do. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm on. I'm on steroids. Um, I'm on. Um, I am. So I at first I started with um, cellcept which um, is a medication that is um, typically used for transplant patients, but is um, I know I know you're familiar with it, Erica. But yes. It, um, yeah, it's but it um, it it was it was really helping, but um, and I'll just i I'll just you know uh, say it like it is, but mm-hmm. it gave me horrendous diarrhea at one point, and so um, so I um, so the GI stuff that I was experiencing, I was not able to function, and so um, so I so my doctor switched, which is when my lung capacity started um, to go back down into the 50s as well mm-hmm. um, so now I'm on um, azathioprine which is similar to cell steps. Um it's um, again it's typically used for transplant patients mm-hmm. um, Erica I think in the book that you wrote you said something like if this disease is kind of like your own um, lo- like your own your body rejecting your own lungs yes and I have described that the same way um, and I I think it's a good. I think it's a good description. It's a heck of a lot easier to understand than the other ways to describe this disease. Um, and so, um, so it's essentially just a medication that knocks down my immune system. Is what the alpha is. is. Um, I'm also on um, a. Uh, I'm also on Ofev. Are you on Ofev, Erica? I am on Ofev.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good old. Good old Ofev. Um, oh, yeah. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay on OFEB, but um, I don't. If anyone's listening and just starting OFEB, I know on all the you know like Facebook forums and stuff, I'm a part of. OFEB is like the most commonly discussed medication for people who have fibrotic lung diseases because it's it's such a scary medication because they make you go through all these hoops to get it and it's right. like absurdly expensive. Yes. and so um, it's like don't know, it's terrifying starting that medication, it's such a, they just take it so seriously, yes. um, yeah, um, now, those are the, the main ones, but, I'm, yeah, I'm on a couple others, but those are the main
0: ones, so. See, and, and like you said, with the diarrhea with CellSep, I, uh-huh. I experienced the diarrhea with the OFAT, so I just yeah. decreased my, um, dosage, Two yeah. of months ago because I was having yeah. this, the severe It was diarrhea. So, ter- yes. so terrible. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm still kind of expecting that to come. I've only been on the OCA of, like two months. So I'm okay. I'm bracing myself for it since they sent the anti-diarrheal with the medication. Yes. It never makes you feel great. <laughs> um, so but for now I'm doing okay on that one. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Good old medication. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, How do you, and you know, you and I were talking earlier before the interview about, you know, the lack of information out there on NSIP. Um, Can you tell our listeners, how do you feel about the lack of information on NSIP? You know, and I ask this because there isn't really a lot of information, as you know, out there about NSIP because of how rare it is. Um... You know, and that was a frustration of mine because it was so hard to find any information out there about it, and I never knew anyone with it when I was first diagnosed. So can you um, tell our listeners how you feel about that?
1: Yeah, um, so I guess my first thought is, like, it totally sucks. Yes. Uh, I remember, so I had a really – I guess not crazy unique diagnostic experience, but it was different than most people I've heard in that um, my diagnostic process was fairly quick. I mean, it felt slow, but as I heard other people's stories, it was fairly quick. So I had, the first time I went to the doctor was in January Mm -hmm. and I was actually diagnosed in April of 2021. And so it was only a few months. Um, And then I also was I was diagnosed via um, um and my lung collapsed during the procedure and so I oh, wow. um, ended up spending 10 days in the hospital because my goofy lungs wouldn't pop back up the way they're supposed to. But, but because of that, one thing that was nice was I was in the hospital for 10 days and received my diagnosis while I was in the hospital Um, which meant that my doctor was coming to visit me in the hospital um, every day. And so while most people, you know, are playing phone tag with their doctor Mm -hmm. right when they're diagnosed, I was seeing my doctor, you know, every day because he was trying to get my lung back up. Right. And so one thing that did help is that I was able to ask a lot of questions when I was first processing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that helped some, but um, but I still did the thinking where I, you know, went on the crazy Google searches, you know, and saw the, you know, um, I think what everybody does when they're diagnosed with any type of interstitial lung disease is they see that the prognosis is three to five years and they have a complete freak out. Yes. Um, and while that's, you know, like the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation or hopefully the doctor would tell you that that's you know, not actually. It's not true. Always the case. Yes. Yeah, it is what Google tells you, and so everybody freaks out completely. Google um, is definitely not and, your friend. Uh huh. Yeah, and so yeah, so I totally went in like the deep dark um, interwebs of um, the internet researching, and it was it's super frustrating. And the forums and things, of, um, you know, social media are helpful, mm-hmm. but. Erica, I'm sure you experienced this, too. Um, I was 31 when I was diagnosed, and so it was like, well, there's literally no research, it seems, for someone my age with this. And so I have no information um, to really go off of. So, and I don't, I wouldn't minimize someone's experience in their 70s, of course. It's a horrific disease at any age. Oh, yeah. But... But if you're in your 70s and you're given three to five years to live, that's very different than if you're in your 30s. 31. Yes. Yeah. And so that um, that was that's still something that I just feel like I don't have good you no know, answers on. Um, and not that any of us know when you know how long we're going to live, but right. when you're trying to manage a disease, you know, even assessing the medication. Um, you know if you're struggling with horrendous diarrhea on a medication why would I continue this medication if I'm if it's going to only extend my life x amount of time right. um you know but if I'm only you know 32 um and it can extend my life for like decades then sure I can handle some diarrhea to an extent you know so it's it um lack of information is a continual
0: frustration. Well, you know what I've learned, and this is what works for me. Um, you know, I I'm really uh, you know I I'm trying to think how I want to put this. I <laughs> I feel that you know you just no one knows you never know uh when your last day is um or how long you're going to live and i've seen you know now uh i've heard of people living with nsip for the three to five years or i've heard them living with nsip going on 15 years now um. So you just never know, and uh, I'm really into my faith, like you are, and so uh, I believe that you know. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, Katie. I, I, I believe that. Well, it's an emotional topics, so that it, it's hard not to. It is. It is. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a planner. Uh, I'm I'm a that's the type of person I am. I'm a I'm a huge planner. But I had to let all of that go out the window and trust God, um, and trust, believe you know, tr- believe in my faith, rely on my faith even more um, because I realize I can't control this it's not in my control and so that's when I that's you know I've always like I said I've always been huge in my faith but I'm more huge in my faith now than anything because really to me that's what gives me peace if that makes sense right so yeah 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 definitely and I've you know
1: that's definitely how I feel as well and um you know i feel like one of like you said um one of the hardest parts is feeling out of control yes um and it's not just the you know the prognosis or the like you said that our our days are numbered um but it's you know feeling out of control you know uh i i guess i'm just going to you know continue to mention um bowel movements here, but like, the feeling out of control of, you know, um, symptoms or feeling out of control of, um, gosh, you know, when the medication's changing, even there are some weeks where I'm like, you know, I would just really like to be able to put all my pills in their little pill things and to not have to edit any of these. (laughs) Um, so it, it does feel out of control and being able to, um, release that to god has been something that helps me on days when i can do that i don't always do that perfectly but it does help when i can right right um
0: you know and i completely you know i completely understand where you're coming from um you know we talked about the challenges that you face physically but mentally um also what challenges have you faced because Uh, you know our mental health is just as important as our physical health um and so with that being said how are you dealing with everything mentally right now
1: yeah yeah um I um I think you know this about me Erica but um I'm um I'm a licensed counselor so um so mental health is really important to me um and I've had other seasons um that have been hard before this season for various reasons you know we all have but um but I will say that this season has proved to be um uniquely challenging um mentally um I um I you know I know I've said this already in this interview but I think my age and uh really grappling with uh some of the um just the struggles of having, of knowing that I'm going to have this disease for the rest of my life, however long that is, yes. um, that, that part can become really overwhelming, um, mentally, um, you know, sometimes it's good to have a, a bigger perspective and look at the, uh, bigger picture, and, um, there are some days where it's better to just look at the smaller picture, right. um, and so it kind of just, again, depends on the day, um, with that, um, I, I think one of the things, so my, my church has been incredibly helpful and um, been a really good um, support for me um, and my family and friends have as well. Um, and that has helped me um, a lot um, mentally, but there are also just days where even though they're doing the best that they can, because there's, I mean, they, you know, there's only so much that other people can do, um, that there are just days where it feels, um, pretty lonely, um, having a disease like this, um, because it is so rare, Mm -hmm. and like you said earlier, you don't meet someone else with this disease, um, and, uh, I think those are the days that are the hardest mentally, um, probably for me is just the days that feel um, very lonely. And again, it's not because anyone could do more, it's just, um, you know, there is an element of just being alone in it.
0: Well, and and like you said, I think it's because of how rare it is, and like you said, um, you know, like we talked about, you don't meet someone every day with this disease, so you feel like the people around you wouldn't understand at least that's how I, I felt. Right. They wouldn't understand yeah. if you reached out. So it's kind of like you don't, you know, because oh, right. you you don't you you don't feel like they get they would get it, you know? Right.
1: Well, and it's sometimes, you know, often a question that I get is like, "How can I help?" And I and that's a question that I've asked people many times too, and it's a question that I will ask people again. Right. But um. But. There really isn't a tangible way that people can help there's most nothing, of the right. time. Mm-hmm. And and there's not even like um, you know, I've had people who are like, Well let me come and just sit and, you know, listen to you or be with you and that's so kind. Oh, yes. But I'm also at a point you're like, I don't know what to say anymore. It's basically the same thing right over and over again. Um it's just it's hard uh it's not even intentional, but it's just hard to to let people in and let people support you. Sometimes it's intentional, and I'm definitely independent. I minimize things. You know, I I yes. do all the things that I don't want my clients to do, <laughs> but um, but it's it. But some of it is just I'm not really sure what to do to let people in or how to let people help. So right, it's really and challenging. The, and the thing
0: about it is, is people genuinely. That's one thing I had to learn. Uh, and understand for myself is people genuinely, if they truly your, you know, if they truly love you, and they're truly your, your family and friends that, and that they genuinely want to be there for you. It, it's not like that they're just saying it to say it. Um, right. You, they, they truly want to be there. So, you know, I try more to let those folks in my life, um, and yeah. let them see me not only the good times but the bad times too because I need them not only in the good times I need them when I'm vulnerable as well you know right
1: yeah yeah for sure for sure I don't I don't know about you but I I find that um when I'm at my worst mentally there's typically some sort of like um, lie that I'm believing probably about myself or about others or about God or the world or something. Uh And, um, you know, sometimes those things are things like, like you said, like people don't actually want to help or, um, you know, um, they're just saying it to be nice. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Or we get in those pity parties, like they're like, nothing good is going to come out of this or my life is, know terrible or something mm-hmm. or there's nothing good going on and um or even something about myself like um i'm um i have nothing to offer other people they wouldn't want to be around me that kind of thing and so mm-hmm. when i when i can fight those lies with truths and for me truths um mean typically like through prayer or sometimes even like being really mad at god yeah. <laughs> or um or reading my bible or Um, something along those lines those that's when I can usually um that's when I can usually come out of that a little bit and feel a little better
0: well and I don't know about you I went through this phase of why me I Uh I didn't do anything wrong I've always tried to do everything right you know yeah why 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 me you know but you know I yeah you know so yeah yeah mm yeah it's
1: yeah, I think, and I, you know, I always tell I always tell my clients things like, um, you know, grief is a cycle, and it's not linear, and you know, you may feel like you're in acceptance one day, and then the next day you're angry again, and yes. I, I want to give all this grace to my clients, but sometimes with myself, I'm like, but I thought I was good with this, and then why am I so angry about this today, yeah. and so, again, just you know, trying to cut myself some slack and get myself permission. And you should,
0: because you're human. Yeah. You know, you're, you're human and you, you know, you, you, you have that right to, to feel as well, just because you're a therapist and you're trying to help your clients. um, You know, you have to realize too, that you're, you're human and you're taking on this huge rare disease as well. So you're entitled to have those feelings on those days that you have them, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks Erica. That's, yeah,
1: it's, it's true, and I, um, yeah, just remembering those things, so, yeah, that's, um, I'm sure there are other things, I'm sure probably, yeah. um, the people in my life would be like, she's also struggled with this, <laughs> but those are the things that come to my mind immediately, so.
0: Well, what are some of the most significant changes that you've had to make in your daily routine in order to adapt to having an SIP?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, so I know, um, I and Erica, I believe are you on oxi- are you on supplemental oxygen full time?
0: Uh yes. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm I am currently not on supplemental oxygen, um, although just by just life is weird. My my mom has a completely unrelated um pulmonary disease where she's on supplemental oxygen full time. So I'm really familiar with the struggles of supplemental oxygen uh, yes. and I I wholeheartedly empathize with what you're going through and I'm sure I will be on supplemental oxygen at some point. I'm just not there yet. But um but the so for now my significant changes aren't um you know the having to cart around the dang tanks and the concentrator and all the things. Yeah. But but they are um one of the biggest changes is um Anyone that knows me well would say I'm an incredibly annoying morning person um, <laughs> and I wake up early and I'm like ready to go and I have to reel it in to not drive everybody crazy. Um, but that is not the case anymore. And it is, it is tough for me to get out of bed. It is um, tough for me to get going. Um, there are days where I get up and I'm going and I'm like feeling good. And then one of my medications hits me, and I have to go back to bed and like sleep it off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, um, it's, um, I'm really grateful for my job because I'm self-employed and I can make my own schedule, which has um, been a godsend. Trying to make it to, you know, all the um, medical appointments and everything, but it also is tough because um, I'm. Constantly having to rearrange my clients' schedules or cancel on them, and it's hard not to feel, you know, guilty doing that. Um, the um, trying to, you know, fit in things like exercise, yes. adjust those things at um, to how I I would never be someone before the past few years who would say. That I would do things based on how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. but when you have a um, disease like this, you have to, and it's such a weird thing, and it feels so odd yes. to be like, "Well, I'll see how I'm feeling that day." But it really is. That is how it is. True. Yes. Yeah, um, and I think also um, I'm my personality is very like consistent, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not flaky, um, but. I totally have to be flaky now, and I have to cancel on people a lot, and yeah. um, not just my clients, but, you know, friends and things, and so I think those are probably the biggest adjustments um, to my daily routines that I um, have experienced, but they're, they sound simple, but uh, they are um, very different than what my <laughs> life looked like a couple of years ago. Right,
0: so. and, and, and that's not easy. It's not easy going from you know I, I was diagnosed at 26 and I'm 34 but to go 26 years completely fine and not having these issues and then you know all of a sudden bam this huge monster of a disease hitting you and changing your whole life around it's, it's not easy it's not you know it's not easy having to you know to change and change your daily routine uh, around for something like this, uh, especially when yeah. you're not used to it, you know? Right,
1: right, yeah. Yeah, it, it is, and I um, I really can't imagine what it would be like. This is the part where I'm like, gosh, if you were older, this would be even harder, I imagine. Um, yeah. You know, if you were in your, um, whether it was 70s, 50s, whatever, but yeah, it's totally, it, it feels impossible adjusting a routine. After you know, like you said, twenty six years, or for me, thirty one. Yeah. But um, I can't imagine um, you know having to do that even longer down the road because it's it's totally been overwhelming. Oh, yeah. At this stage. Oh yeah. So.
0: And. Yeah. Another question I was going to ask is, how's your family adjusted to you having NSIP? Which we we've, we've talked about them a little, and they sound it sounds like you have a wonderful support system. Uh
1: Yeah, I, I do. Um, yeah, I do. They really, they really care. Um, I'm sure I drive them crazy sometimes, but (laughs) they do, they do really care. Um, uh, I feel like, um, you know, I think, um, my, I think my family's had their own grief process probably. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm grateful that my family also has, um, a good support system of their own, um, my, uh, because I don't know how they would have been able to be there for me emotionally if they hadn't, um, you know, been taking care of themselves Yes. too. Um, my my sister um, is a firefighter, and so she's in a helping profession also. And that awesome. um, she and she does a really good job of um, taking care of herself, and she has. Um, really good boundaries, mm-hmm. and um, and I think because of that, she's been able to, um, you know, sit with me in harder things, like you know, uh, listen to me talk about things that are hard that I know are hard for her to hear because she cares about me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think I think one thing I would say if a family member is listening, or if somebody's listening who has a family member that is struggling on you know what to do uh-huh. i think the first thing i'd say is you know put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on um your family member that's um struggling with the auto autoimmune because um it it's needed um and i'm grateful that my family is taking care of themselves but i'm sure they've had their own grief processes in that as well
0: yeah so yeah yeah what do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know.
1: You know, I have um, had a lot of people say, um, "Well, I've had a lot of people say a lot of dumb things," as I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm going to try not to say something that's, you know, um, you know, platitude. <laughs> um, but what I would say is. I've had a lot of people say, just live your life. And to me, that felt really overwhelming. The, um, that felt like too big of a suggestion. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as cheesy as this is going to sound, I think what I would say is live your day. So yeah. however the day is going, live that day. And um, you know, if that's a day where you need to cut yourself more slack, great. If that's a day where you feel like you can push yourself a little bit more, great um, but just focus on living um, the day. again, it sounds really cheesy. it sounds like I'm saying Carpe diem or something but, um, but I think just live that, that day and um, you know for me that's involved um, you know leaning on God um, and leaning on a good support system. Um, I would encourage um, trying to find some sort of support system yeah. that is really, really important.
0: Well, I think that's wonderful advice. Um, you know, and just to add to that, um, you know, if even if you just get out of bed, that's yeah. a, that's a win. You know, that's yeah. you know, if you you know decide to maybe do a little laundry that day, that's still right. a win. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it's not all about doing the big things. It, the small things are wins too you know yeah yeah for sure for sure do you have anything else you want to share or add to today's segment
1: I you know I can't think of anything um I guess the only thing I'd say is you know I know the disease that we're talking about is um really specific and um in some ways can feel um scarier because of the um uh, I don't know the not being able to breathe component the um, like prognosis component but not knowing. I would say even if um, you feel like you're if, if the audience member feels like they're autoimmune isn't maybe as dire or serious um, if it's impacting your daily life um, the things that you're experiencing are really valid and um, you're worth um, feeling the feelings and all the things that Erica and I were talking about mm-hmm. um, today it's there's, I don't think, I mean, you know, Erica, you know, just was talking about how, you know, she's on supplemental oxygen full time. And so, um, you know, she, it might look like she's visibly sick most of the time when she's out. And it may not when you're out and about, but it's still, um, what you're experiencing is valid and if it's impacting your life, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. So...
0: that's the only thing I can think of so well Katie again I just want you to know I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and just allowing me to interview you um it's been such a pleasure just talking with you and connecting with you and I know that as someone having NSIP anytime I hear someone share their NSIP story it gives me hope and comfort in knowing I'm not alone um, because there's other people out there fighting this disease out there who 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 get it, and you know They're they're going through the same thing. I'm going through Yeah, yeah. And you know, I hope that listeners out there can find that same comfort um, And I know that this interview really educated and helped a lot of our listeners out there Well, thank you And remember, um, if you out there have any questions or comments, please just email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. Again, it's thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone, have a great rest of the day. And Katie, again, thank you so, so much. Of course, Scott. Yeah, thank you.